You're listening to Who's Driving Your Car Podcast, episode 116. Hello and welcome to the Who's Driving Your Car Podcast, where we discuss not only who or what might be driving your life, but also the great views and experiences along the way. Do you drive in the fast lane like my wife, or do you feel like you're stuck in first gear? You only get one life to live, and it can be either a total wreck or a beautiful cruise into the sunset. We are three friends that have collectively experienced almost anything that could possibly happen in this crazy world, and we'll be discussing our personal reflections and experiences so hopefully you can avoid running out of gas and truly enjoy the wind blowing in your hair. So hop on in with us for a little road trip called life, and let's discuss who's driving your car. Aye! What's Crack Back Like in Podcast World? Welcome back to Who's Driving Your Car, episode 116. <laughs> we we are very excited today. We have got a special guest, uh, Miss Francine Rivers, who is the author of Redeeming Love, also a uh, movie that has just come out uh, that she was very involved with. We just chatted about that briefly, and I think we're going to hop uh, into some of those discussions with her. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to get today, guys. What y'all think? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, my sister-in-law, Lauren, uh, Lauren Horn, she's a huge fan of yours. Uh, she's read a lot of your books. And so she's been talking about this book as long as I've known her. And um, one of the things that she said is she was so admired how in uh, your books that uh, you're, you know, the, the main character always tends to portray unconditional love. So that's one very kind comment I thought that she uh, made reference to before I even started reading the book. So, no, I'm super excited. You know, a lot of stuff we do on the podcast is try to help people, you know, meet them where they're at in this world and show them a, a new, a new life, a new direction through Christ. And I think your personal journey and story, and now your ability to take that gift and uh, help people through your your books and the movie is, is super awesome. So I can't wait to, to hear more about your journey and the, and the whole process. Yeah, and uh, we are super excited. Um, we have a little credit to give out here to Alexandra, girlfriend who was super excited Ooh. about this, told me, uh, I think on the first date about this book, and then Jeanette, our bro lady, who you were on her podcast, it's time for coffee. And so we're just very thankful for her helping uh, facilitate this whole matter. And so without further ado, Francine, welcome aboard. It's great to be visiting you on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I wish we could be up there in Northern California with you, <laughs> with you in person. It sounds yeah, like a great I'm place sure to be. It's nice weather here right now. Well, Francine, before we kind of um, hop into things, can you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, uh, maybe the book, Not, nothing in specifics, maybe a, a minute or two of, you know, uh, some background on yourself? Oh, I could sum it up really quickly. I'm a wife of 52 years. Wow. My husband and I met in, in fifth grade. We were really good friends, um, connected after Vietnam. Oh. Uh, we have five, well, we have three children and five grandchildren. We have another grandchild on the way and a great grandchild on the way. Congratulations. Got that news this morning. So we're real thrilled. thrilled awesome. Awesome. Congratulations. Congratulations. Always knew I wanted to write, didn't know what I was going to write. Uh, wrote in the general market for a number of years, steamy historical romances. And then we did a, we came to Christ in our late thirties, uh, did home Bible studies, still have that group going um, and came to the book of Hosea. And that's really was my first book as a born again Christian. And I consider it my statement of faith. 
Man. Is that under a minute? <laughs> that, that that is uh that is awesome and i feel like i would have so many sub questions for you uh just about that uh and we are really yeah. looking forward to today and francine kind of told you a little bit about this uh in the pre uh visit we have a little segment before we get started called would you rather and john over here uh to my right is uh known for for doing this there's no rhyme or reason what he's gonna ask you but just kind of a little warm okay. up uh to get the thing started john what you got buddy is well, this a psychological test? <laughs> <laughs> it could be. It could be. Actually, it popped into my head yesterday when I was driving around what I was going to ask today. And then whenever I finished your book last night, I was like, well, now I know how she's already going to answer. But I guess we'll see how the rest of us answer on this question. Would you rather read or write? I would rather write. <laughs> I, I was a terrible reader as a kid. I actually got a D in reading, um, but I always knew I wanted to to write. I just live in my imagination. I loved reading now, but I mean, it was um, it wasn't something that I grew up enjoying. Yeah, at the end of the book last night, whenever I was reading that portion of it, how you said at one point in your your life, your your husband said that uh, you know you could be away in the woods by yourself, or you wouldn't even know if they were there or not. And I was like, ah, oh, shoot, I know how she's going to answer this one already. <laughs> How about you, Cece? Oh, you know, believe it or not, I actually like to write as well. Um, but I don't do it enough to contribute too much, you know. But as far as like our, our websites, I, I do like to write some of the um, copy for that. But reading is probably what I do more often than not. Um, I always like to learn something new. And so I'm going to go with reading. Hmm. This is a tough one for me because uh, I wouldn't call myself stellar at any of them. Uh, I did pick up reading, though. I went through all the law school. I read a whole lot, Francine, so I kind of shut that little department down for a while. Up until about a year ago, I started reading a good good bit, maybe a year and a half. And I've really enjoyed that, but I've wanted to write a book for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. More kind of in lines with this, this podcast situation, motivating, inspiring, and the mysteries and wonders of life have always been intriguing to me. So I don't really know if I'm going to enjoy it or not because I've never really do it, done it. I like the journals, but so I'm going to go off the preface that I think I will like to write. So I'm going to go with writing. Okay. Yeah. I think the hardest part about writing is starting. That first page is terrifying. That's what I've heard. And I kind of yeah. go back and forth with that myself. Uh, but you just got to jump and off. I don't think it changes for a writer either because I feel the same way every time I start a project. It's like if you look at it as a book, I'm going to write a book. It's too big a project to ever think about, but I can write four pages a day and, oh. and gradually go through it. Nonfiction would be a totally different thing because you have to do all that research and then lay it out and have it all set. But with fiction, I'm a pantser, so I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, I just yeah. start with a question and then I'm using the characters to answer all the different perspectives, but I'm looking for God's perspective. So there's one struggling Christian that's trying to find out, you know, how does God look at this? Absolutely. I think that's a pretty neat perspective and breaking it down, simplifying things. We, we talk a lot about simplifying things. And I think that, yeah, sometimes you can look at the whole and it's a lot more daunting than a little part of it. Yeah. What do you think, John? Yeah, for me, um, I really enjoy reading. So I really have read for a long period of time. Um, I shut down reading a lot after I got out of school just because I had to read textbooks for so long that I was just tired of it, but I really enjoy reading. Uh, so for me, I would rather read all day long. So I guess my question to you three would be, do you, would you read fiction or nonfiction? It depends. <laughs> uh, it just has to 
catch my yeah. attention and keep me entertained. So I've read history. I've read all, all, all kinds of stuff. As long as it gets my attention, it doesn't uh, really matter what it is. Yeah. I, I end up reading a lot of nonfiction because I'm trying to learn new things. My wife is like, just read something fun. Read a story. Like, let yourself relax a little bit. So I enjoy fiction a whole lot more. <laughs> My kids accuse me of being OCD because I keep a list and I actually document, you know, <clears throat> is it fiction or nonfiction? Is it a devotional? Is it an advanced reader copy? And then I look at it at the end of the year to see if I'm overreading in any particular genre. Oh. I think as a, as a writer, you have to have a wide range of things that you read, all kinds of things. Yeah, and, and I think this is a really interesting question, Francine, because I've been talking about this with several people. I, I was a flag bearer for the nonfiction, because I'm with Craig, I like to learn it to be real, concrete. And then your book came along here, and I have <laughs> to say, um, it has maybe changed my perspective a tad on it, but it also is based on a lot of truth in the book of Hosea and all. And, yeah. and so I feel like it's a nice kind of combination almost of sorts going on here uh, with the book. And, and so it resonated me on a high level. But I think that's an interesting question that you would ask there. And I think it's also a good way to toggle ourselves into the, to the topic. And we really want to talk a good bit with you about redeeming love and uh, the book and the movie, uh, so to speak. Can you, uh, I think you alluded to that a little bit in the beginning, but can you tell us how the book, you know, originally came about now it's a movie and, and we'll talk about your involvement there, but just the storyline itself, how you, you know, God spoke yeah. to you to write it. Well, I, um, I think that why it touched me so much is that I identified with Gomer. I felt like when I, when I read that book, I was raised in the church, but I think you can be sitting in the pew and never really have that heart knowledge of God. You have a lot of head knowledge. Absolutely. Um, and my life had to be falling apart. You know, our marriage had to be crumbling before I really was willing to turn to God. And I went to, um, actually, we moved to Northern California. My husband started a, a business, Rivers Aviation Services, and a little boy from next door came over about eight years old. And he said, have I got a church for you? And he started talking about this church. And we had been in church in Southern California, but I don't think Jesus was in the building. My husband was actually chairman of the board and they didn't know he wasn't a Christian. And we didn't know we weren't Christians because they weren't really teaching the Bible. They had more of an idea of, you know, if you can change the, the, the political situation, then you can change the hearts of men, which is just, you know, the opposite of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started going to church. Rick did not want any part of church. And so I asked the pastor if he would teach a home Bible study. And he said, if your husband says yes, sure. So we started a home Bible study. And that's how both of us were baptized in May of 1986. And it just changed everything inside me because I kept, I think I was getting my identity from my writing. And the first thing that happened is I couldn't write anymore. Really, And I was reading through the Bible and just falling in love with Jesus. And after about three years, we were doing, you know, the Gospels and topical studies. And we came to the Minor Prophets. And when I read the, you know, when we studied the book of Hosea, that just broke down all the walls. And I thought, you love us that much. Mm -hmm. You know, that even when we're turning to everything else, you know, turning to friends for advice, reading how-to books, all that kind of stuff, but never turning to God. And he still loves us. Because it is an allegory about Israel. But I thought, I want to write uh, a story that would reach the readers that had been following my career. And I, I wrote books in uh, California history, 18, 
40 to the 1880s. And I thought, gold rush? I'm just going to put the story in the gold rush. And then I got letters later on after the book came out of, I wish I could meet a Michael Jose and I could write back and say, you can, his name is Jesus. You know, oh. so for me, I think for me that fiction is really a tool. It's a bridge to the real thing, back to scripture and scripture, of course, is pointing to Jesus. So that's, and I thought that was going to be my only book, but I had all these questions because I was in my late thirties when I came to Christ. And so I just started the books with a question. You know, the first one, A Voice in the Wind, was how do I share my faith with unsaved family and friends that only use the name of Jesus in a, in a curse? They don't want to read the Bible. You live it out. And people see. They, people are watching us all the time. And then eventually they ask the question. And God gives you the words to speak at that time. So it's like each book has been a quest for me. And is kind of a tool for me to go before the Lord, study scripture, and try to find his perspective on the questions that I have in my own life. I, I was going to say one of the hardest books I ever had to write was The Atonement Child. Because that dealt with an abortion I had during my college years. Mm. And how mm. that guilt and shame can just trap you. So everybody in that book is impacted by abortion in some way. Um, so a lot of them are extremely personal and dealing with personal issues in my life and just trying to figure out what God's teaching me. That's amazing that you are taking storylines within your own life and putting yeah. them out there and uh, they, in its human form. That's, that's really neat. Francine, I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested to know a, a small question, but it interests me again, cause I want to write one day. How long did it take you to come up with the, the whole book, write the book, the story? Because one of the things I got when I, and I just finished it too with John over here, um, was, man, there's a lot of detail and everything has a purpose and is really well played out and um, constructed throughout from start to finish. How long does something like that take you to do? Well, it, it took me over a year mm -hmm. from start to finish. And um, I really, I had three pictures on the bulletin board in front of me. I was in a corner using a military desk with a blank wall behind me uh, in a rental house, a little rental house with three kids, you know, so uh, <laughs> it's wow. an interesting time. But I had seen an article in a women's magazine and I thought it was a rare case about this little girl that had disappeared. And the first picture was her school picture about the age of eight, a little blonde girl. Second picture was um, police confiscated pornographic film and they had a picture of her face and she was terrified. Third picture was the same little girl a couple of years later and her eyes were dead and she had this sort of seductive smile on her face. And I put those pictures behind my computer. First, per, first book I wrote on a computer um, and I just kept thinking, I'm writing for her. That's mm. my audience, that little girl the people that don't know God and, and don't know how much they're loved. Um, so well, it was, it was an interesting time because I felt that, you know, God was right there with me, that Jesus was instructing me as I was studying the book of Hosea and reading scripture, because I didn't grow up like that. I had a loving family. Right. So there were, there were insights that I received about angel that um, I think God gave me because I've talked to people that um, are involved in helping survivors. And they said, how did you know this or this or this? I, I didn't, but God knows, you know, God just can reveal things to us. Yeah. I thought it was really fantastic in the, I thought it was really fantastic in the book that, uh, 
the different way that you portrayed the characters, for instance, uh, Paul, how his righteous indignation, I think for most people, you know, they get overexcited and zealous whenever they see their flaws in other people and, and that helps fuel their fire for attacking people. So that was something that was really, uh, special. I thought, um, another thing that was really interesting was the way that you used, uh, hope, um, as you know, in one of the characters as a source of suppression of her hopes and dreams that she felt so downtrodden that it was just seen as an enemy. It wasn't seen as something that was actually hope. It was the opposite. So, yeah. Well, I thought it was important too to have other characters like Miriam and her family because Angel would not have seen a real normal family. So that was God showing her what it can be like where you have a loving father and mother and brothers and sisters that get along and love each other. Um, So there were just a lot of things I think felt needed to be covered in there. You know, Francine, you made an interesting point that, you know, a lot of times you want to spread the word of God and Jesus and to get someone just to read the Bible or just to preach to them. And a lot of times they're putting up this wall and there's so many people out there who've gone through traumatic life experiences, whether it be, abortion, rape, loss of loved ones, and they're lost, their lives are kind of spiraling down. And, you know, the fact that you could have this transition where you took your gift and talent of writing novels, and then take your life experiences and then give these biblical stories in a context through a story that people connect with. What's been the response from readers and and people that have followed you as far as conversion stories? And I can only imagine that opens the heart to so many people when they read God's message through the context of the stories you write. And you have different books for each of these questions you've mentioned, which is really awesome. Yeah, it's, you know, it really like with Redeeming Love, I think the readers educate you because I didn't know anything about sex trafficking. I thought I was writing, you know, the the character that I was thinking about, Angel, I thought that was a rare instance. And it was, I was getting letters from people that were survivors of sex trafficking or they were prostitutes people that were in prison and they were talking about the impact of the book on them. Um, So that, you know, out of the movie has come Redeeming Love Sanctuary Foundation. So we're using whatever we make from whatever I make from the movie and whatever I make from the book goes into this foundation and we're using it to give grants to uh, organizations that are on the front lines and have track record to help um, actual programs with, with, survivors. So, wow, that's, that's I, really cool. I think that you, you know, you, you write for the Lord. He's your audience, you know, number one that you want to please is God. And then, you know, you're, you hope by being transparent in your writing that you're going to reach, reach other people. And when you do, it's, it really doesn't have anything to do with you. It's got everything to do with God. He can use anything to reach his people, even a work of fiction. That's what's amazing to me. I mean, we're all struggling with questions in our own lives. So you also, I think that's what resonates a lot of times. You made a comment about, you know, your identity. I think a lot of people in life might feel God's tug or God's pull to follow his will and use their gifts and talents. And then you made that transition and everything you knew up to that point was, you know, you know, writing these novels, you know, living your life. What was that feeling like that tug from God, that transition to looking back and going, I don't even know how to do what I always done and having the courage to sort of listen to him and, and take your gifts to the next level to, to do his will. 
Well, you know, I love to write. So when I couldn't write anymore, I really struggled with that. I thought, you know, when you become a Christian, isn't everything supposed to be wonderful? (laughs) (laughs) Everything's supposed to be great. And my life was falling apart because the one area where I felt like I had some control, which is an illusion, um, all of a sudden it was gone. I just couldn't write anything that made any sense. And I think God was was training me and teaching me that, you know, you say you want to be my child. Well, you need to get to know your father. You need to get to know Christ. And um, when it didn't matter anymore, that's when he gave it back. And he doesn't waste anything because he hasn't wasted anything I've ever experienced, the abortion, for example, but also all the writing skills, because I when I knew I was going to be a writer, didn't know what I was going to write. So I majored in English with an emphasis in literary writing and minored in journalism. Wow. So I had the, you know, the pros and then the who, what, when, where, and why, and I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but he knew. And I think he used all that to prepare me for what I do now. And it's just, for me, it's a way of worshiping him because it keeps me centered on the word and studying the word and talking to him all the time. You know, now, I know That's you had awesome. a big change in your writing. I've been hearing from me. <laughs> I know you had a big change in your writing whenever you were a born-again uh, Christian, uh, but what would you say evolved over time the most for you as far as your writing style? Um, I Well, I think originally I was writing love stories, but they were a man and a woman. Now it's a love triangle. I mean, I still write romance. There's still romance in every book that I write, but Christ is the center. And it has everything to do with all the characters, even the ones that are not following Christ. It has to do with the relationship with him or the rejection of. You know, Francine, something that I was kind of curious, you've got three uh, fellas over here talking to you is the different. Have you heard people's different perspective, men who have read the book and who they're identifying with potentially, obviously, Michael or women who have read the book and how they take their takeaways on it. Can you speak to and or seen the movie now that the movie's out, the different perspectives that you've heard or seen along the way? Well, I usually hear from the men whose wives and girlfriends give them the book and tell them to read it. (laughs) (laughs) And again today. hilarious because um, even in the case of the movie, Holly Caruso, uh, DJ's wife, came up to Northern California and she was involved in a retreat and somebody gave her the book. So she read it and she went home and told DJ, you have to make this into a movie. And so he read the book and he went, yeah, I do want to make this into a movie. But there again, it's the woman that gave it to the man. And then... I don't usually hear from the men. I have heard from a number of prisoners that have read it, and it gives them a, a gives them a deeper understanding of God, which is what it's all about. That's what you want them to get out of it, and to have the hope and know they're loved. You know, no matter what we've done, our past does not have to define us. God can completely turn everything around, and He can use everything that you've been through for His good purpose. Absolutely. And I think that's really well said. And and Francine, I think it'd be a good way to transition ourselves because you were just alluding to the movie. Can you tell us a little bit about how um, the process went with the book uh, becoming a movie and then your involvement? You were telling us about how involved you were, which I think is really neat uh, and doesn't necessarily happen all the time in these type deals. Can you speak to uh, some of that process somewhat and then uh, your involvement as well? Well, we've been approached a number of times and we've had different options that have been for redeeming love, but I always have had approvals. I always had a good attorney who made sure that I had creative <laughs> approval. 
which doesn't always happen. And they didn't, you know, the people that were writing the scripts didn't understand. So when I started working with Cindy Bond Mission Pictures, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I wanted to show them what I wanted in a script. So I got books on script writing and I loaded final draft onto my computer and I wrote an example um, and they bought that script. They said, well, we like this one. And then when DJ came on board, we restructured it. And then we worked together on certain scenes because you can't have God speaking out of the sky and Satan talking and yeah, people wouldn't understand it. So it's how do you visually portray that? Um, so I was very involved with the script writing, the production script. I was also uh, involved in the auditions. I got to see the auditions and, and have say in who I felt should be the, the lead stars. And with Tom Lewis, that DJ really discovered him because we looked and looked and it, it was very hard to find an American actor who could play innocent. <laughs> it seemed like they were they always seemed like they were coming on to her. You know, that scene in the brothel when he first meets her, they just didn't get it. And he had seen Tom Lewis uh, in a program because he's a Brit. Uh, so he flew to London and auditioned him over there. Really? And Tom had read the book twice before he even got there. So he understood the character. And he just, he, he just was Michael. I mean, he knew how to portray Michael and show all the different emotions in his face. And that's, that's really what we needed for that main character. That's a hard role to play. Absolutely. Very talented young actor. We knew right away with Abigail Cohen. I mean, one look at her and, and she wrote a letter to DJ about how much that role meant to her. Uh, Cause I think the book was her mother's favorite or something like that. And she loved the book. So that was good. That's good. Something else that we talked that uh, you talked about in the book, uh, you talked about um, was a God box or prayer box. Oh, yeah. That was something else. Maybe it's a writer thing. We had another author that was on a while back who had a prayer box. Uh, is that something that you use in your personal life? Is that something that's fiction? It is very definitely something I used in my personal life um, because I I would pray and I just thought, you know, I don't <laughs> I don't know whether my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. <laughs> Um, and I, I was Trap actually in that going, box. Oh yeah. I was going to Al-Anon at the time and I was, um, somebody talked about a bag that they put a prayers in. I thought, you know, I think I'm going to make a really pretty box and just put it on the table. And, and I had been a secretary. I've had all kinds of jobs and I thought there was an inbox and an outbox as a secretary. So if I, if I put that prayer, write it out and put it in the box, it's out of my hands, physically out of my hands. And it's in God's box. And then I would open it, you know, every couple of months to see what happened. And usually the prayers were answered, but very seldom in the way I imagined they'd be. You know, we think we we think we know what we want and we don't really have a clue. Mm. God knows best. Absolutely. You know, Francine. So another... it's really a faith building thing. I don't have a God box anymore, but that really helped me learn to let go and let God handle handle my life. You do. You mentioned that you talk about. I think a theme in the book is God's love never leaves. And in your own personal life, now that you've been on this journey, uh, you know, how do you continue to see God impacting your your decisions and your projects and, and your family life? You talk about you have a nice growing family, some exciting things. Um, any comments on that? Well, Rick and I um, 
we the way we healed our marriage really was starting every morning uh, reading scripture and praying together. And we still do that. So we're very centered on that. And then um, the pastor was originally teaching the class and my husband took it over a long time ago. So now we're, my husband has Parkinson's and uh, about, about two years ago, he had meningitis on top of Parkinson's, which oh, has man. really impacted him. Um, so we're kind of, we team teach, we switch off now. Um, but I think that it, we just hope that our kids understand, you know, that he's the very center of our lives. And several of them are very strong Christians, but not all of them are. So we just keep praying, just keep praying that they'll center their lives on the Lord and not be like their parents or their grandparents that had to wait until they were in their late thirties <laughs> to get the message. Amen. So how do you feel about the final product as far as the movie? I know it's, it's tough for me, uh, you know, reading books and really enjoying reading. Uh, the imagination is just so strong in painting pictures and stories and seeing how things are meant to be. Um, how pleased are you with the way that the movie ended up turning out? I know it's a difficult uh, task to do to try to turn a book into a movie. Yeah. Well, I'm personally very pleased and I was able to see the different cuts. Uh, in the final cut. And I know there's been some controversy that's come out of it because of the love scenes, which kind of surprised me because the objection um, that I don't read reviews, but I would hear from people of things that were said. And it just seemed like they were focusing on the two love scenes in the story, which were there for for a definite purpose. Because you see Angel in the brothel where she doesn't look at a man. She never cares about who the man is. And then Michael comes and he pays for her to be free, marries her, and then woos her for months. And of course, in the book, you you know what's going on in their minds and the struggle, the spiritual battle that's going on. Uh, and then we, I wanted it to show Song of Solomon, the difference between godly love and passion within the bonds of marriage. Um, and that was what seemed to really distress people more than an eight-year-old being sold into prostitution, which surprised me. Hmm. I mean, and I, I have said too, that I think the church has all too often missed because uh, we tend to send our children to public schools. And I don't know how it is in Louisiana, but here in California, they teach how to have sex and sex education that starts in fourth grade and if you get pregnant, you know, the school nurse can always take you to have an abortion without telling your parents. And I'm thinking Christians need to teach sex education in the church and talk about why it's so important to wait, the beauty of sex within a marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, and we don't. I've been a Christian for over 30 years. I have never heard a sermon on godly sex or Song of Solomon, ever. Yeah, so I can't wonder, say that. Why is the church becoming so much like the world? It's because we're avoiding certain topics that we really need to address. There's a, um, of course, you got a few Catholics here, so we definitely have a lot of, we do try to, to preach that to our families. And uh, I think Pope John Paul II uh, wrote a book called Theology of the Body, which was pretty amazing in the context of uh, love and sexuality and marriage and, and the Holy Family, which uh, has always been a good resource for at least me and my wife and our marriage. And I know we've kind of talked about it on the podcast a few times. So you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's a beautiful thing in the, in exactly the context in you the described. Right yeah. 
Well, and we're living in a culture the kids are hooking up. I mean, they, they don't understand. Why? Why should you wait? They need to know. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think this brings up uh, another portion in the book that I thought that was really profound for me personally. Uh, and it was the part where you said, uh, priests are only men. They are not God. They come with their own personal prejudices and faults, just like anyone else. Uh, yeah. And that, I think that speaks to a lot of people that I've heard over the, you know, my life that talk about, oh, well, I left the church because I disagreed with this preacher or pastor, or I left the church because the priest uh, said some things that I didn't like. So I yeah. think well, um, we're supposed to be there. We're supposed to be there for the Lord. And very often we're there for the <clears throat> the pastor. The pastor leaves the church and pretty soon the congregation begins to scatter. And it's like, that's not to be the center of the church. Mm-hmm. Right. A hundred percent agree. It's, it's very human that that happens. <clears throat> Unfortunately. Also, one more question for me. Um, the writing, <laughs> the writing style that you wrote in, uh, you know, hearing in God's word and short little phrases like that is something, is that something fiction or is that something that you've experienced personally? I have never heard God's voice personally. My husband has. Wow. He heard God's voice when he was in Vietnam. And he was, he started to pray and he stopped praying. And he said, I, I never come to you for any reason unless I need something. And it's not right to do that. And God said to him, you'll come when you're ready. And it took him 19 years to come. Wow. <clears throat> but he never forgot that voice. He's never forgotten that voice. Wow. And I, I know people that have heard God speak to them literally, but I haven't. I'd love to. <laughs> so was that where that writing style was inspired? Yeah, I, I believe that God, well, I believe that God speaks to us through scripture because there are a lot of times when, you know, I've read through the Bible probably 30 times, but it's like every time you read it, things come clear. Yep. Different things that happen to, to be in your life. And you'll have insights just if you keep your heart open and you're looking for God, you see him all over the place. I see evidence of God in nature. Oh, I see it in nature a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I wrote a book called Earth Psalms because I think the earth is singing about God all the time if we're open to, to seeing him in that way. But actually hearing his voice, you know, I wish I'd walked with Jesus. But then I think, well, would I, been, I would have undoubtedly been in the crowd, you know, screaming for him to be crucified. <laughs> so, you know, we're all we're all sinners. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, but someday we'll hear his voice. We'll get to speak to him in heaven. So I look forward to that. That's awesome. Also, um, how self-conscious are you uh, that you've sold so many books? You're, you're rivaling the, the Bible now. I'm not anywhere near <laughs> rivaling the Bible. And I never will. <laughs> My job is to point to the Bible and get people back into the Bible. You did a great yeah. job at it, too. You really did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, phenomenal. Very, very good. And look, Francine, um, we're kind of nearing the, the end of the wind down time here, and, and we've appreciated you having on, having you coming on with us um, today. And a question we do like to ask all of our guests, it's kind of predicated on the um, title of our podcast, and that is, who or what is driving your car? Uh, there's no right or wrong answer. We've had God, free will, the pandemic. We've had hurricanes down here sense of urgency, a lot of different things uh, throughout time that we've been doing this with our guests. But but we'd love to know what comes to your mind when we ask you that question. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 
in knowing the name of your podcast, that's the thing that just keeps rolling around in my head. It's like, take the wheel. You know, my husband being in aviation, it's like, I don't, I don't want Jesus being the co-pilot. I want him being the pilot. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Francine, uh, if our listeners, where can they reach out to find more about your, um, your books, the movie, yourself, kind of your ministry? Is there any resources or references you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, there, there are actually two. There's uh, www.francinerivers.com. And then if they're interested in hearing more about the Redeeming Love Sanctuary Foundation, it's redeeminglovesanctuaryfoundation.org. Uh, but that'll tell what we're, what we're hoping to do. Uh, what our mission is. Well, Francine, we really appreciate you coming on today. It, it has been a treat, and the book was awesome. I, I did say I've only gotten into reading recently, and normally I like a little like 150, 200-page book. Um, but I hopped in on this good old 470 or so, and it was worth every page of it. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun, and, and you have definitely inspired uh, myself, and I think I could speak for the guys, but I wanted to, to personally thank you for coming on with us today and taking the time. Yeah, it's absolutely. Thank you for coming you. on. Uh, I hadn't read any of your work so far, uh, but I did read Redeem Me Love in preparation for this. And I know you got a lot more out there and I can't, I can't wait to uh, read the rest of them. Thank you. All right, guys, we appreciate everybody tuning in with us. Uh, if you do get a chance to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, we would appreciate it. And until next time, we'll catch y'all later. Aye. Hey, y'all. If you've been enjoying picking up what we've been laying down, subscribe and never miss an episode. Find us on social media and let us know who's driving your car this week. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Who's Driving Your Car Podcast. Perfect timing, sun is shining, nothing more.